Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries. I'm John Cook. We want to welcome you today to this, our continuing study on just a thought on the book of Revelation. We're in Revelation chapter 13. This is part five of our study on this chapter. So get your Bible, look up Revelation chapter 13 if you want to join us, and let's get right into the Word of God. Well, our lesson today is going to cover Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 through verse 10. Now, as we look at this, we want to see that in Revelation chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, we're looking at the worship of the beast. We've already seen the beast, which is the Antichrist. Now we see the prophet, the false prophet, who calls for the worship of the beast, and then there's a warning concerning the beast as well. So look at Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Notice it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Now, we know that those that dwell upon the earth are the devil's crown. That, in fact, this is the inhabitants of the earth, the ones who have chosen the inhabitants, the ones who have chosen this world over God. They're this is devil worship that goes worldwide. It says, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, these whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb are the devil's crowd. They belong to the devil. They're the ones who have chosen to walk in the way of the world. Now, this is a this Lamb's Book of Life is a very specific book. Notice it says it says in which are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. This book of life of the Lamb has to do with those that are belong to the Lamb of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27, the scripture says, And there shall in no wise, excuse me, the trouble with, with uh, uh, the bro, uh, uh live broadcast is you can't edit it out it's right there then it says uh, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh 
abomination or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the book, in the Lamb's book of life. So the only ones who are allowed to enter into this new uh, Jerusalem are those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Notice it's the Lamb's book of life. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, it says, The next day John, John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb provided by God. And He takes away our sin when we trust Him as our personal Savior. But potentially, He took away the sin of the world. So every person in this world could get saved if they will. The Bible says, whosoever will may come. So, potentially, everybody could get saved, but not everybody is saved. Why? Because they don't trust the Lamb of God. They trust in their religion. They trust in their works. They trust in anything but Jesus, the Lamb of God. Looking unto, upon Jesus, John says, Behold the Lamb of God. I've often, I've often uh, uh, commented over the years of preaching from this past scripture how many times John had to say this in one chapter. Twice he has to say, Behold the Lamb of God. This world isn't listening. And listen, today, if you're not saved, behold the Lamb of God. He's the one who wants to save you, redeem you, give you eternal life, take away your sins, write your name in his book, the book of life of the Lamb. Jesus is the provided Lamb of God as prophesied by Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So Abraham said God is going to provide himself a lamb. This was upon the question that Isaac asked of his father. Father, here's the fire, here's the wood, Where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb. And then as we read the story, we find that he, he puts his son Isaac upon the altar to sacrifice him to God, and God stops him and shows him a ram caught in a bush. And Abraham takes that ram and puts him in the place of his son Isaac and sacrifices him unto God. Now, 
Abraham said God would provide a lamb. But yet God provided a ram in this case. Some say this is a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It's a shadow of what was yet to come. Because the day would come when John, looking upon Jesus, would say, Behold the Lamb of God. And Jesus is the Lamb of God. And the Bible says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Now notice, we're not saved by silver. Excuse me, I've got to get my book up here. <laughs> we're not saved by silver, we're not saved by gold, and we're not saved by our vain conversation. What's vain conversation? That's our works. And we're not saved by our works. But with the precious blood, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The precious blood of Christ. Sorry, I missed that. Let me read that again. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus, Christ, our Savior, is our Lamb. No blemish in Him, none. No spot in Him, none. He is 100% perfect. And because He is perfect, He is the perfect sacrifice. For our sins. He paid it all. We had a debt we owed. That we couldn't pay. But he had no debt to pay. But he paid ours. He was without blemish. Without spot. That's the Lamb of God. That's the one who saved us and redeemed us by his blood. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 9, it says, If any man have an, hear, have an ear, let him hear. So God says, if you got an ear, do you have an ear? Most of us have two. If any man, notice God addresses it to any man, any man includes me. Any man includes me, includes you, includes all. If any man have an ear, then he says, let him hear. What's the purpose of your ear? The purpose of our ear is to hear. Let the ear do its work. We have two ears. 
Somebody said, when I was a kid, I can remember him telling us that you have two ears and one mouth. That means the ears should work more often than the mouth. The sad thing is, is that our mouth works much more often than our ears do. And oftentimes, when it comes to the Scripture, men are deaf. Willingly deaf. They willingly close their ears off to what God has to say. And men are doing that today when it comes to the Word of God. In Proverbs 19 and verse 27, the Bible says, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. There are some things we need to be deaf to. We need to cease listening to what this world has to say. Revelation 13 and verse 10 says, He that leadeth into captivity... Boy, I'm having a problem with my... With my it's a new case for my, for my uh, laptop, or for my, not my laptop, sorry, folks. This is a new case for my, uh, uh, what do you call this thing? I give up. <laughs> for my iPad, and I'm having a lot of problems getting, to, uh, getting used to it. But anyway, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. Notice it says, He that leadeth into captivity, and he that killeth. It says, He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes. Now, who is this? He, in this case. Well, the Bible tells us this is no one else but the devil himself. He leads into captivity. Did you know that even today, as we live in this world, did you know that if you don't trust Christ as your Savior, Satan has you captivated? And did you know, Christian, that if we don't yield to the Spirit of God, then Satan can captivate us. But the day is coming when God is going to captivate the devil. The Bible says he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. One of these days... God is going to take the devil and captivate him. And cast him into the bottomless pit. And shut him up and set a seal upon him. That he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. My, what's the world going to be like? When the devil is captivated, held captive in the bottomless pit. Well, 
when we look at the scripture and we know when he's turned loose that he's going to lead a rebellion, then that tells us man's just bad, period. And man's without God is going to rebel against God. Even though he's lived in what man professes he's looking for. And that is peace. When Jesus brings peace to this earth, he is going to captivate the devil and put him in the bottomless pit. And men are going to live in a world of peace. under the Lord Jesus Christ. And many are not going to like it. They're going to rebel against it. They're going to hate it. So in the end, they'll end up following the devil when he's released for a little season. And they'll go against God again. And the devil that deceived them then will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is the end for the devil. Right here, this scripture is the end for the devil. It's his end. You want to know the end of the story? There's the end of the story. The Bible says that God is going to finally put him into the lake of fire. This also speaks of the Antichrist and what's going to happen to him. The beast, the Antichrist, was taken and with him the false prophet. So here's the beast and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both, the beast and the false prophet, were cast into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So what does this tell me? It tells me that we win. In the end, we win. And the devil's going to join them, as we've already read, when the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The scripture goes on to say, he that killeth, sorry, I've got to go backwards here. Oh, there. Okay, we're back. Sorry for the confusion today. I just don't be. I just don't seem to be having a good time here. 
But then he says, he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Now that's an interesting statement. Because death in the tribulation of those that don't accept the mark of the beast and don't worship his image will be by taking their heads off. Just as he will the two witnesses in, at the end of the seven-year period. This fits the Muslims' pattern in killing Christians today. I asked my dad several years ago. My dad was brilliant when it came to Bible prophecy. And I was talking to him one day, and I asked him, could there be an association here? Could the two be similar? And my dad said, absolutely. And he showed me in Scripture how there is a definite association. Because the Antichrist himself is called the Assyrian. The Assyrian, he's part Jew, but he's an Assyrian. And the Assyrian has come out of Iraq and are Muslims. So there is a connection. But it says that he kills with the sword, so what's God going to do? Well, since he killed with the sword, God is going to kill him with the sword out of his mouth. This is the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns at the, in his second coming, when he returns back to this world out of his mouth, goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. You know, people love to talk about sweet little Jesus boy because they can control a baby. But you're not dealing with sweet little Jesus boy here. You're going to be dealing with the King of kings and Lord of lords the creator of this earth. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and he's going to smite the nations with it, and he's going to rule this world with a rod of iron. When he comes, he's going to tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He's going to stomp his enemies under his feet. Of course, we don't want that message, do we? We want an easy, sweet, lovable message. But you're going to read the Scriptures, you're going to get what the Scripture says, not what you want it to say. Or, for that matter, what I want it to say. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. This is a description of what's going to happen when he returns. In the battle, when man decides to battle God, 
ultimately, outright, openly. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. The patience and faith of the saints. This is talk about tribulation patience, tribulation saints. And if you look in your Bible, you'll see that. This is what keeps the saints going in the tribulation period. This is what keeps them going in persecution. And by the way, here's what gives us patience in the tribulations we face in this world. That ultimately, the Lord is going to win. And when he opened the fifth seal, in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, I saw under the altar of the the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. What is Satan killing them for? He's killing them for the word of God and for, the, and for their testimony concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And they cried with a loud voice. Here's the saints. They cried with a loud voice. How long, O Lord, holy and just? Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? It's an interesting thing. If you take this scripture and compare it with the Old Testament scriptures as to how Israel felt when their enemies were triumphant, they match. These are Jewish saints, tribulation saints, white robes were given them, given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet a little while. It isn't time. Just rest a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. God is going to fulfill his word. You may not like it. I may not like it. But God is going to fulfill his word. And if it means we have to suffer a little bit longer, then that's what's going to happen. God says, just rest a little season. Your brethren who are going to die just like you did, be killed just like you were. Well, they're going to be here soon too. So what do we draw from this? Well, what we see in this scripture is there's the worship of the beast that takes place. It looks like he's winning. It looks like he's got it all. But before it ends, there's a warning concerning the beast. And the warning is his day's coming. He leads captive, he goes captive. He kills with the sword, he's killed with the sword. 
That's the Bible's reaping and sowing. You reap what you sow, the scripture says. So just take comfort in this, Christian. We win in the end because we're with the Savior. And the world and the devil and the flesh lose. That's our privilege as Christians to know that. Well, join us for our next lesson. Till then, God bless.